and we'll open the word to 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And it was in the introduction to this a month ago, verse, uh, chapter 10, that uh, Brother Bassett was listening into that and mentioned that he would like to share, or <laughs> I know he wanted to share his testimony. We looked at Israel and all the blessings they had. Privileges, bring responsibilities was that message the more privileges the more responsibility we have and it's because we take up the responsibility that God gives us more privileges and so we looked at that introductory thought to this portion of scripture in 1 Corinthians 10 and we read in verse 1 moreover brethren I would not that ye should be ignorant that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea Who's he writing to? What book? What, what church? Corinthian church. What were they probably a majority of? Gentiles. It's interesting that he brings the Gentiles in and, and says, you know, we, <coughs> we, our fathers, were under the cloud, talking of Israel, and they would have understood that. And all were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ but with many of them God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness let's pray thank you Lord for the example of your chosen people Lord, we, I pray that we might learn at their expense, as this portion of Scripture tells us too. Thank you for all the benefits that we have, all the privileges that we have as Christians in this day of grace, of mercy, where we can obey from the heart the word of the Lord, and we can serve you willingly, not because we have to, but because we want to. And I pray that we would want to serve you, would want to please you, would want to follow you, would want to seek after you in all our ways and all our days. Lord, bless the word as it is shared tonight and challenge us as Christians. We might have been here before, but to be <laughs> retaught these things is not bad because, Lord, we need to go over them again and again. Bless in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> So privileges bring responsibilities a month ago and now ad the, ad the advantages enjoyed by Israel. And we won't get to the apostasy committed by Israel a little bit later on in verse 5 and following, but the advantages enjoyed by Israel. <clears throat> they are a blessed people as we looked at last time. They were, first of all, in verse 1, protected. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant that all our fathers were under the cloud. They were a protected people under the cloud. And was it the weather? Was it literal clouds? No, it was the glory of the Lord. The cloud represented there, as it says many times in the Old Testament. It's not the weather. <clears throat> they were not intoxicated. They were under the glory of the Lord himself 
And back in the book of Exodus chapter 13, we have the occasion where it's written in verse 21 of chapter 13. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. And so they were protected with this. You say, well, wouldn't it be good to be able to know where this is where the cloud goes, that's where I go. <laughs> this is where the fire goes, that's where I go. Are we not? Don't we have the word of God? Are we not protected as they were protected? Well, yes, John's gospel tells us in chapter 10, the well-known verses 27 and following, and I give unto them the sheep eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. He is a protecting cloud to all those who put their trust in him. He gives them eternal life. My father who gave them to me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. The Lord does protect his people. He guides them through the way of life. We have the word of God complete. We have the New Testament, Old Testament complete that we can follow. They, they yes, had a physical presence. How many maybe have yearned for that? You know, just, just tell me, Lord. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting. Give me an answer now. and I'm, I'm ready to hear your voice. Read the word. By faith. Jesus said that. Blessed are they who have not seen me, but believe. And we today believe by faith. We see with the eyes of faith through the word he's made those promises. And one day soon he will come and it'll be reality. And we'll see the glory of the Lord <laughs> with our own immortal eyes at that time. <clears throat> Second Chronicles 5 and verse 14 says this. So the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. And when you think of that, what, that was not a really big structure. But they couldn't see the glory of the Lord was so intense and so present that they couldn't do the work of the ministry in the tabernacle. In 1 Kings 8, 10 to 11. And it came to pass when the priests were, came out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house. Uh, the, all the typologies here, the glory of the Lord filled the house. The presence of the Lord filled the house. We need that, don't we? <laughs> we need that in our church. We need that in our lives. The glory of the Lord to fill our house our house the house of the lord and also in exodus 40 verse 33 it says and moses reared up the tabernacle and finished the work then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation of the glory of the lord filled the tabernacle and moses was not able to enter because of the cloud of god's glory and <clears throat> so they were protected any enemy that was watching on and there would have been those that spied from the countries into which they were going, Moab and Ammon, and those, they would have seen this. And they did see that. <laughs> because Rahab testified to that when they got into the promised land. We know that God is with you. <laughs> we saw the cloud. We saw the fire. The whole place was lit up at night. And, 
wouldn't and she said it put the terror of God into the nations about and here they come marching around Jericho just blowing trumpets and marching around once every day and then seven on the last and uh, <clears throat> she said help us I, I believe in your God when God when unsaved people and God is present with the saved people and they 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 see that they know there's something different they can testify there's something about that people and when I drove in tonight I thought oh car park's full there must be lots of people I think you all drove one car each <laughs> but people see and notice that you know there's people meeting here and I think of that when I, I thought of that when I drove in the glory of the Lord may fill the house may make his presence seen or even a testimony the Shekinah glory, the habitation of God. Ephesians 2 verse 21 and 22 says, The church is a building fitly framed together. It groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together <clears throat> for a habitation of God. Through the Spirit, he inhabits the believers in the church and he is not grieved when we walk together in love. And that's <clears throat> in the book of Ephesians. It tells us that. The book of Romans, chapter 8, and verse 31. Romans 8, 31. <clears throat> it reads there. Whoops, wrong page. <laughs> and, yes. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, as he was for Israel, who can be against us? God is protecting us. God is guiding us. And so often because of the circumstances in life and the situations we face, we don't believe that. But we need to, by faith, believe that he's guiding us right through life and he is protecting his own. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, if God be for Israel in the wilderness like he was and he's promised to be with us, who shall be against us? Who can be against God? <laughs> who can fight against No one can fight God. The, the nations will prove that in the last day, won't they? He that spared not his own son, if he did that, he delivered him up for us all. How shall we not, he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. You know, God is in control. God is sovereign. God is over all. God is protecting. God is guiding his people and protecting them. And sometimes we probably question that when things don't go right the way we think they should go. Come on, be honest. We do, don't we? Say, you know, Lord, are you here? Are you looking? Do you see what's going on? Uh, Israel in the wilderness. Didn't they complain ten times? You've griped and grizzled, it says. They just weren't looking by faith and believing. I mean, they didn't have to by faith believe. They saw it. But they still rebelled that series of sermons I did back in 2019 was on that and you, you shake your head and say how could they do what they did against the leadership and against uh, the people that, against God and, and knowing and seeing the presence of God having experienced the plagues, plagues in Egypt we as Christians have experienced and know what salvation is. We know from the word. Why then do we complain about what God has or hasn't done in our lives? Remember, he is protecting us. Secondly, 
in that portion of scripture. He's not only protected. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And all were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And I put under as heading to this, they're planted, they were positioned, and they were possessed. And does not that occur also for the Christian? We have been occupied by the Holy Spirit. We've been indwelt by the Spirit of God, as it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. Planted, baptized, rooted and grounded in the truth. We've been possessed of the Holy Spirit. What does it say in the book of Romans chapter 8? If any man has not the Spirit of God, he is none of his. He is none of his. I pray that we are possessed of the Holy Spirit as we read the Word of God. It comes out of the page and we comprehend what it's saying. As we read Old Testament, New Testament, and we compare Scripture with Scripture, we get what it's saying. It really concerns me for Christians who can read the Bible and it makes no difference. It's just like another book. It's not just another book. This is the inspired Word of God, and as He inspired it, as the writers wrote it, then He reveals it as the reader reads it, as we read it by the Spirit of God. You know, the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit for their foolishness. He can't, he can't get them spiritually. He might understand it intellectually, but he, he doesn't comprehend it with his heart. And so we've been possessed of the Holy Spirit. We've been planted, positioned, and possessed of the Spirit of God. In the book of Psalms, chapter 1, we've been planted. In chapter 1 and verse 3, it says there, And ye shall be like a tree... Planted by the rivers of water. That bringeth forth its fruit in its season, its leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. This is the man that walks after the counsel of the Lord. He's like a tree planted by the rivers. We've been planted. <clears throat> when you plant a tree, you intend it to grow and usually to leave it there unless it gets too big or we had some trees here got too big but God is not going to root us up we've been planted together in the Lord Jesus Christ and together for eternity you know, we, whether you like it or not we're going to live together for eternity in the, in the book of Colossians in the New Testament Colossians chapter 2 it says there Colossians 2 and verse 7 rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye've been taught abounding with thanksgiving we shouldn't be a pushover we shouldn't be easily swayed we shouldn't be pushed around by every wind of doctrine because we're rooted and planted we're possessed of the Lord and we are encouraged in his word as occurring in spiritual spirit baptism and as pictured in physical baptism also planted it's when we identify with the lord and in romans romans chapter 6 it tells us there 
about physical baptism, I think referring also to spiritual baptism. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? I heard someone the other day say that they found the way of grace. What they meant is I can do what I want now and I don't feel guilty. I thought that is a dangerous area to go. It is. Um, <clears throat> Grace Awakening is a book they might have even read. I don't advise you to read it. <laughs> but yes, we do live under grace, but we just can't go and please what we do. We've been rooted, planted, and we're to ab ab abide in him, as it says in Roman, I mean, John chapter 6. God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer in it? No ye not that as many of us as were baptized as these people in the old testament were baptized under the cloud and in the sea they got a double one didn't they we don't baptize twice but they were under the cloud that's a picture of baptism isn't it going under the water and they were under the sea level they went under the sea and they come up out identifying with the lord jesus christ and saying I am planted I am possessed of the Lord and I'm following hard after him first Peter three twenty one reads the like figure unto which even baptism does now save us not the putting away of the filth of the flesh but the answer of a good conscience toward God and uh, pictured in the Ethiopian eunuch there so planted positioned they were positioned in the wilderness to go into the promised land. They didn't take up the promise, and so they stay there for 40 years. We need to move on and not be held in the wilderness. Move on to the promised work of the Lord in the land of the Lord. And back in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 3, and did all eat of the same spiritual meat. Spiritual meat. Twice in the New Testament that talks about the milk of the word and the meat of the word what are you having the milk what am I having the milk of the word or the meat of the word <laughs> we've been provisioned with the meat of the word and the milk yes for young babes but the meat um, <clears throat> food and manna they had in the wilderness they had drink from the rock uh, the bitter waters of Mara were healed so they could drink. The, the rock was smitten once and the water came out. The rock was smitten in anger a second time and the water still came out. So we've been provisioned. But it's up for us to take the water of life. It's up to us by faith to believe in the word of the Lord, the water of the word of God. It's up to us to take the manna that has been spread around the camp and pick it up and take the portion that would satisfy us for the day. You know, so you sit down and read the whole Bible in one hit. Is it going to do you any good? Maybe to get a big picture of it all, but we need to take it up daily because we're creatures that need daily sustenance. Just as we eat food, we are to eat the manna of the Word of God on a daily basis. <clears throat> devotional life are we reading the word daily are we meditating upon it when you're reading the bible and you're reading along in the portion you've got assigned and you you strike upon a verse and the, the the verse gets your attention what do you do 
It's the Lord arrested your attention then. What do you do with that? You'd go dig you go digging a bit deeper if you've got time. If you don't do it, do it when you come home from work. <laughs> and look and cross reference that and, and find out some treasures there because it's the manner that God has given to us. He's provisioned us with the manner. Does it tell us in the Word of God that He's provisioned us? Well it certainly does in the book of John's Gospel, chapter six, and Jesus himself speaking. He said, Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not the bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. They ate that bread, they all died. But we eat the bread of life, the Lord Jesus true bread from heaven and we live forever for eternity can you get better than that <laughs> we'll get hungry tomorrow or if we you know go a few days without we'll get hungry but with god we are satisfied for the bread of god is he who cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world then said they unto him lord give us this bread and Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall in never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. There it is, the bread and the water. We have been provisioned. You won't be able to stay when you stand before the Lord, but Lord, you didn't tell me. <laughs> yes, he did. You didn't pick it up. You didn't pick the manner up and make of it what God wanted you to, or I wanted what he wanted you to. <laughs> And what he wanted me to partake of. Have you ever had a decision to make and you're really struggling with what, sh what should I do? And you're reading through the Bible in your devotions and there the answer comes. You know this is the Lord guiding you and directing you. It's not like you just open the Bible and you're consistent in your devotions and there it is. And so often that happens, you can say, praise the Lord, he's directing us in our lives. We'll be able to take of the manner that truly is the Lord Jesus Christ as he leads in our lives. And in verse 47 of John 6, it also says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am, the one of the, the great statements of the I am's in John, I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. It's already said that earlier in the chapter. This is the bread that cometh down from heaven that a man may eat of it and not die. This is the promise of the Lord. This is the manna from heaven. This is the one we should partake of. But how many in the world are doing that? How many in the world are believing on the Lord Jesus and eating him, spiritually speaking, and are satisfied? I am the living bread that came down from heaven heaven he went over and over this so that he drove the point home if any man eat of the bread that he shall live forever and the bread that i will give is my flesh which i'll give for the life of the world this life in the lord jesus christ as we as we've been provisioned and jesus said unto them verily verily i say unto you except ye eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood ye have no life in you. He who eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I'll raise him up 
in the last day. It's promise and when he had said this, what happened as you read on in the chapter? Many went and followed him no more. This is a hard saying. How many have walked away from the provision of God to mankind of the Lord Jesus Christ, the bread and the water of life, just as in the wilderness? In fact, if we went back there and we've done it before, but you look, you look back there. After having it for a while, what did they say? What did they want? Give us some flesh to eat. We remember the cucumbers and the watermelons and the whatever else melon down in, in, in Egypt. Would we go, could we go back to Egypt? That's what they were. Oh. Imagine the heart of God when they said that. I'm giving this vitamin. <laughs> no, it was fully sustained, you know, sustained life. What was in that bread was what it would be the best bread if they could, our scientists could take it and pull it apart and give everyone that would have sustained us throughout our life, wouldn't it? But God gave them that perfect bread. God has given us the Lord Jesus Christ and see, we say, give us some flesh to eat. Give us something of the world. We're not satisfied with what's from heaven. We want more. How does God feel? He's given his only begotten son and then we, we want more. We want something different. We want what we had back in the world. God is not pleased when his people hanker for that. It says in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and for instruction in righteousness. That's the bread we need to eat. That's the bread we need to partake of daily. We have the devotional book that's good it brings thoughts out and and you might be reading that and saying ah that met my need i was asking i was wondering about that and that can meet your need read the references that are in it follow them up yes he's he's protected us under the cloud and under the sea he's planted and positioned and possessed us he's provisioned us and verse 4 back in first corinthians 10 verse 4 it says and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ <laughs> how much time have we got I think this is probably one of my favourite <laughs> I didn't hear that <laughs> this is one of the favourite topics I have of the Bible the rock the promised presence of the Lord Jesus. He said as he gave the last instruction in the book of Matthew 28, 19 and 20, and lo, I am with you always. The rock goes with us wherever we be. People, uh, people who study rocks, what are they, geologists? Or the, they, they, yep, they are, thank you. <laughs> they, they study the rocks and I, if yeah, if I had something to do, I'd like to study the rocks, but haven't got time to do that. But we study the rock, <laughs> the rock, and he is a wonderful blessing to behold. First John, First John chapter 5, verse 10. We read there about the one that he is, has been provided for us. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself, as we spoke before about the presence of the Spirit. He that believeth not God hath made him God a liar, because he believeth not 
the record that God gave his son. And this is the record that God hath given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. He that hath the son hath life. He that hath not the son of God hath not life. Pretty clear black and white statement, isn't it? These things are written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him, the rock, (laughs) that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. We have the rock. If you have the Son, you have life. Just over in 1 Peter chapter 2. And this is relating it back to Israel and many times as we've noticed back in 2019 and 2004 when I preached through that series <clears throat> that the New Testament re- goes back to the Old Testament and the experience of the Jews in the wilderness to give us examples for us today that we might follow. In Second Peter, no, 1 Peter chapter 2, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and guile and hypocrisy and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow by it, if so be that ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living what? Stone. Disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, ye also as lively stones. I built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore, it also is contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, who believe he is precious, but unto them who are disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner and the, a stone of stumbling, a rock of offence, even to them who stumble at the word, being disobedient, were unto also they were appointed. So that's as clear as anything that the Lord Jesus is a rock, likening to the rock in the wilderness that the water gushed forth from. And <clears throat> that rock is Christ. He's made a sure foundation. Other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is, or who is, the Lord Jesus Christ. What does Psalm 40 verse 2 say? He brought me up out of a horrible pit, and he set my feet upon a rock, and that rock is Christ. If anybody has not does not know the Lord Jesus, they need to have their feet established. Look at the world today. It's It's floundering. There is no foundations anymore. When the foundations be removed, what shall the righteous do? That's a favourite of the creation movement people. And they say the foundations is Genesis 1 to 11, which is true. A lot of doctrines go back there. But their foundation is Jesus Christ, is it not? Is he not? For the believer, he sets our feet upon a rock and establishes our goings. And when a person becomes a Christian, that's what happened. Testimony of our brother this morning. Set his feet upon a rock. He was avoiding to get on that rock, but then when he did, established his goings. He made a, he's made a sure foundation. He sustains 
his own in the desert as we've noticed and in the book of Isaiah chapter 48 I'll look, at, I'll look this one up Isaiah 48 and we'll look at verse 21 Isaiah 48:21. it says there and they thirsted not when he led them through the deserts and caused the waters to flow out of the rock for them he clave the rock also and the waters gushed out and there was no place saith the Lord unto the wicked he clave the rock he split the rock and the waters gushed out when you think of rock you don't think of water do you but the Lord Jesus go go to Israel go to the headwaters of the Jordan that that river starts all of a sudden there's just a whole area of rocks all different sizes you can walk around in pathways and the water's just coming up out of the rock and then you just go across a little bit just a couple of chain, a couple of chain um, 50 yards meters <laughs> I, I can't help but think in old language and there is the water of the Jordan just rushing down like it'd be as here to the wall wide and probably about that deep and running fast and just all comes up and it reminds me of this <laughs> When he hit the rock, the waters gushed out. And it says in other verses that when that happened, the, it run, run down and filled all the creeks, the rivers, the rivulets up. It wasn't just a little bit of water. It gushed out. And I love that because it speaks of the Lord Jesus when the rock was smitten, the provision for the salvation of souls gushed out. And in 1 John 2, 2, he, he died for all. He's a propitiation for all people. There's a provision there in the splitting of the rock of the Lord Jesus that meets everybody's need if they will come. That's their choice, isn't it? He doesn't force them. He invites them. He invites you and I. It sustained his people in the desert. And, I, and as, as I keep saying... The, the work that he did physically was mostly with water and mud. <laughs> but to sustain a, a, a town like Melbourne, and if you go to the, it used to be the upper Yarra Dam, the head, but now the Thompson River's behind that, and they channel all the water from the Thompson under the Great Divide into the back of the upper Yarra Dam and the Maroondah Dam, they all run down there. When Melbourne was small, when I was only young, the Maroondah Dam did it. And there was a channel that ran past our farm where Dad farmed in Warburton. And I've gone and had a look at it. And that's where all the water from Melbourne went. You think, that's a pretty big channel. But the pipes that come, they put it in pipes now, are 10 foot deep. The valves take about a day to turn off because if you turn them off quickly, the whole, all the pipes would just burst out of the ground, like putting your brakes on too quick. And, and the water from Melbourne is... Humongous, the amount that comes from Sugarloaf, it comes from those other dams, goes through the Sylvan Dam and into different directions, north, east. I can almost say where the pipelines are, if you want to blow them up. No. <laughs> but it's just for, a, what, four? How many million people in Melbourne? Four million? The water that is used is a massive amount. Now, there's two million people in the desert here, half the population of Melbourne. So when that provision was given it wasn't just a little trickle of water it was an amount that could meet the needs of the people for a, 
and sustain them for a time. They're in the desert, remember. And the whole type of this, we are in a desert. We're in the enemy's territory. And people need the Lord. They think they've got something there. I think they're in a green field, but they're not. This is not home. This is only temporal. And God has provided enough for all, yes, as I said before, to come. A sure foundation that sustains his own in the desert. And if you're not being sustained, it's probably because you're not reading. The rock delivers the water. He satisfies us with himself, as it is in our reference, right down to verse 11. He's done this in the past. He does things in the present. And I'm just briefing over this. He provides salvation as the rock. Second Samuel tells us that. The Lord liveth, blessed be my rock, and exalted be the God of the rock of my salvation. As he said there, he's providing security, a strong habitation, as Psalm 71 verse 3 says, a continual resort to which I go to, my fortress Psalm 71 verse 3. Psalm 94 verse 22. My defense, my refuge. What shall separate us from the love of God? He is providing shelter. We come under the shadow of his wings. He's providing strength also. The rock provides us with strength. It says in Samuel, The Lord liveth, blessed be the Lord. And in Isaiah 17, verse 10, Because thou hast forgotten the God of thy salvation, thou hast not been mindful of the rock of thy strength, therefore thou shalt, thou shalt plant pleasant plants and set it with strange slips. In other words, they'd left off the strength of their salvation, the Lord himself, and then planted their habitations with strange slips. They weren't the right slip. They weren't the right tree and so many Christians do that we try other ways to be satisfied other ways to receive strength but God is not in it for when in Romans 5 6 for when we were without strength in due time Christ died for the ungodly he is our strength but the last one for tonight the promises of the rock in the future where would you go and say, yes, the rock is spoken about. Where is it? Where is it? <laughs> in the Old Testament, but it all pictured in the last book of the Bible, in the book of Revelation. It's in the book of Daniel, isn't it, that we find that rock mentioned, mentioned there in the dream of the man, of the image of the gold, the silver, the brass, the iron and the clay. And in the days of the, these kings, this is Daniel 2:44, shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall, not ne- shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to another people. It won't be like all of the others. Someone else took it over. But it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall be forever. For as much as thou sawest the stone, the rock that was cut out of the mountain without hands and broke in pieces the iron, the brass, the gold, the silver 
The great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain and the interpretation is sure. Praise God, the rock, the Lord Jesus, will establish his kingdom by breaking all the kingdoms of the world into smithereens. And it'll be like this, the chaff on the summer threshing floor blown away by the wind. <laughs> the Lord Jesus is the smiting rock. What is the song we sing? Not so much as we used to, <laughs> but in Matthew 7 in the Sunday school. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the rains descended a bit. The foolish man built his house upon the sand of time. It'll be obliterated, the one on the sand, but the one on the rock will stand forever. Have you built your life on the Lord Jesus Christ on the rock? Hearken unto me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock from which you are hewn to the hole of the pit from which ye are digged. Look at the quarry from which you've come. That's what it's saying there. That's my understanding as I think of the pit. I've been in a few of those pits. The one for the Sylvan Dam. And they had to strengthen the wall. And I was in that in about 1982 or three rehabilitating it, putting all the topsoil back into all the rocky areas. But the, the quarry, and <clears throat> scientists now can say, and geologists and archaeologists can find a rock in the Middle East and say, that is from that quarry. That's from that quarry. And they can identify from where it's come. And some of the rocks have come a long way. Mammoth-sized rocks. How they shifted them to where they got them, we don't know. <laughs> but they can say, you identify with that. And we as Christians ought to be able to be said of us, they're identified because they're from that pit. They're from the rock. They're from that quarry. They're from the Lord Jesus Christ. Look unto the rock from which you hewn and the hole of the pit from which you have been digged. Look and see. And there's one last thing and one warning that's given and it's severe. It's in Matthew 21:44. And whosoever shall fall on the stone on the Lord Jesus shall be broken. A broken and a contrite spirit. O Lord, that wilt not despise. But on whomsoever it shall fall, that is the one that doesn't repent and doesn't believe, it will grind him to powder. That is a strong warning about the Lord Jesus. If you don't accept his grace and his mercy, all that's left is judgment upon your head. And grind to powder. Come to the Lord while it's still time to come. Heavenly Father, thank you for the example from the Old Testament saints as they walked in the wilderness. Lord, all these things that we can we can look at and be encouraged in. And I pray, Lord, that we would have our feet upon the rock, the Lord Jesus. We've been broken of a broken and a contrite spirit. We've come to you and said, Lord, forgive me. Cleanse me. Make me your child. Oh Lord, there be someone today listening in that they would come to the Lord before it's eternal too, eternally too late because that rock will come from heaven and smite the kingdoms of this world and all that do not believe and break it to the chaff that's reckoned in the book of Daniel. 
that they would come before that happens and they would not be broken in that manner but be broken in a spiritual manner today trusting the Lord pray for our children our grandchildren Lord that they would come to you they would not resist as Israel resisted not complain but come and find life and find it for eternity bless the word now that's gone out from the word in Jesus name we pray